them, they have sweet and flowing fountains on every hill they have a steel. Yeah. Bright lights on Broadway, the sunshine down in Dixie, they love Wood County, the Gavin County. You guessed it, the Cannon County Hills. Uncle Dave Macon knew where the best was made. Even Porter Wagner knew. And Al Capone. They all wanted what Cooper Melton was supplying. My investigation keeps leading me back to Short Mountain. This location is offering me more answers and information than anywhere else. Answers flowing just like the spring not too far from the distillery's property. Episode 11, One Hell of a Ride. In this episode, I sit down with Ricky Estes, a real moonshiner, Cannon County native, literally born of the Short Mountain Hills. When Billy Kaufman, owner of Short Mountain Distillery, told me to interview Ricky, I've been eager to pick his brain. But what I ended up finding out was way more than I ever imagined. In this conversation, we start just like every other, with the story of Slim. Yeah, I don't know, that's a far back, I don't know, uh... Was I born in 48, 1948, with my daddy and them, you know, my grandpa and all my uncles and great-grandpa, they were moonshiner up here on Short Mountain, where we at today, uh, about three miles from here, where I was born and raised at. And we always ran pretty close together, uh, it almost walking condition, we were for sure. And they all were moonshiner, and uh, we're... I know I hear a lot of stories about what happened and things, but uh, uh, my age there was, you know, uh, don't fit in with your great grandpa, but I've been a moonshiner ever since I was eight years old. Uh, like I said, my brother, older brother, we all, all my brothers still with it, and my 62, uh, we went on 86, doesn't it, 84, and 79, and 74, and I'm 72. Then I got a baby sick, sick, sick. So we all still living and still talk about the moonshine. Yeah. And we was up in Gatlinburg that right weekend and that's something we were talking about. My nephew was up there and uh, he was about trying to write the story about some of the things we did, you know. And uh, it was really, really interesting. Uh, uh, he done what he did, you know. But I do know, uh, I don't know, they, I know about my daddy said about years ago, they would, when he was run away from the field, they would, shoot bark off a tree and hit him in the face. So I know they would kill you, that's for sure. I mean, it made me think Dan they would kill you, but then we had a shove, high shove at Woodbury that caught me twice when I was 18 years old. He was a high shove for eight years. Then he went in to be the TBI uh, agent, and uh, what he caught me twice when he was uh, agent for the TBI. Never did catch me when I was running, you know, when he in the shove business. 
well, they were trying to hold back not and get all the votes they could, but then he chased me many times and uh, wow. tore my daddy's steel up, my steel. Oh. But he, he, uh, but when he turned to be revenue, I got caught twice when I was 18. And he had already killed two people himself, you know. Wow. Shot one in jail and killed one moonshine sitting in his driveway, but the moonshine was shooting back at him. Yeah. So uh, he was a pretty, pretty rough guy. Yeah. But, uh, uh, I do know moonshine can get shot, yeah. and a lot of moonshine. Back in them days, you talking about, uh, they sit around the steel with shotgun. They tell me and uh, make sure nobody didn't slip in there, you know. So mm -hmm. it's yeah. pretty serious back in them days. Yeah. I guess it was. They might have even shot Lebby news, you know. I don't know, but yeah. some county up there on the mountain, I sure they would. Moneta and Alamont and up in there, I wish sure they would have buried them. It is pretty amazing that all of his brothers and sisters are still living to tell their stories and keep the art of moonshining alive and well in Cannon County. During the interview, Ricky's phone rings, which leads to another story. He owned a dry cleaners from like 1930. Oh. If you need to take that, that's okay. I, I, need, I need to take it. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Jimmy. Up here doing a moonshine show. His brother Jimmy's phone call sparks memories of the dangers of moonshining, not to mention the ever overreaching branches of the local and federal government taking whatever means necessary to apprehend a citizen. That Mike Bar Cooper, he was a mean guy too. That was a high sheriff in Woodbury for eight years. I know he killed two people, not three people, but he shot with moonshine by Fred Holt shot him to death with a and uh, chasing him when he got home, he, he, was, he was shooting back. Yeah. And uh, he was driving old Peter Moss apartment. Me and my brother, was, we went out there. He was still sitting in the seat, buried to death. They shot him in the drawing. We sat down and buried to death. He was a good moonshiner. Him and my brother made moonshine together. Wow. But I didn't make with Fred Hope, you know, but my brother, older brother did. But uh, yeah, with moonshining was a hard drive. Yeah. People said, you know, I hear people say, around them old wick, the boys there. They two star get out, get a, a job, but they didn't know how hard it was to make moonshine. Me, yeah. making moonshine was the harder job you could get. So back on your back, you had to cut the wood. We all we bought wood up to I was about 14 years old, 14, 14 years old. When finally come out with a gas burner and get propane gas, man, it's a lot of work when you have to cut wood and carry it to the steel. Supposed to carry water for a long way on top of that, so your revenue was so bad watching them creeks and cranes and branches, you had to hide best you could and carry the water so far, you know, stay away from the creek or something, you know. Yeah. So it was no easy job making moonshine. That was a hard ribbon. Yeah. Oh, so you always, you know, thinking the revenue was going to catch you and was they would and had been been chased several times I have, you know, and been shot at by the revenue. But I don't know what he was shooting at me or shooting up in the car, but yeah. it happened one time. My brother, we went to the steel late one evening, and I, I got off the school bus, and he was a lot older than I was, and he bigger than I, a lot bigger than I was, so he went back to the We carried the jug, and he went back to get the sugar. When he coming back to the steel, they come in on me, and he said he shot seven times. But, you know, I don't but what they were. I sure they wasn't shooting at me. They going out and shooting, trying to cure me, yeah. you know. But I got away. I went off. Got away from it. But I, you know, back in them days, you know, fourteen year old boy, you could run, you know. But uh, I, it's six, seven, I, I don't know, four or five, still laughing at me, trying to catch me because I, you know, the sun's about down and 
My brother and my daddy got up in the barn and looked through the track and watched them come back up the creek up to see the flashlight. So they know they didn't catch me. If they had caught me, they would have brought me to the house. So my daddy didn't know they didn't catch me, you know. So I got lost back in that 400 acre wood and come out on the road three, four miles away from there, you know. One of my neighbors had to pass by and pick me up and brought me home, you know. So, but it's a curious time to be, had to run from the revenue and, and you know, get the shot at, you know. Uh, I mean, you don't, you don't know what them, they're shooting at you, really the key or shooting to carry you, you know. Moonshining is literally built into his fabric. It is bred into him. Billy Kaufman, the owner of Short Mountain Distillery, which you heard from on Episode 7, he stops by to say hi. This, in turn, starts another part of the conversation. But we made liquor all moonshine all our life uh, up till uh, I never did quit. Uh, I quit when I was on probation, but I had somebody making for me, but... Uh, I come up here when they got when they come up here because I've been caught by the TBI twice and that many beating them. Kept on wanting me to come up here and tell stories, you know. And that means I'm up here today uh, to be able to go on, on Beatty. Huh? I'm gonna talk the whole Yeah. How you doing? I'm good. How are you? Man, good. Man, you look like a beef. Yeah. You know, a UPS cap on and a mask yeah. on your face. And, yeah, I'm here to steal your package. And a big old gun hanging on your side, so <laughs> yeah. you're a dangerous person. <laughs> well. How uh, you doing good? Yeah. We're we talking you, about it in moonshine here. Are you telling the good stories or the boring stories? <clears throat> well, we ain't got down to the serious pain yet. I bet told you I wouldn't have been up here if it hadn't been for you all. Kept on wanting me to come up here oh. to help you all. I've been caught making moonshine before. Yeah. I guess that's what got my job up here, you know. Mm-hmm. He can he can work whenever he wants. We just don't want him to keel over since he's long in the tooth now. Yeah, I don't work a lot up here no more. But uh, you come when you come want. back and tell a few stories. Yeah. yeah. Billy brings up a discussion between his two employees about how everything is intertwined and connected in Short Mountain. Now there were there are a lot of people now, but back then there were a lot fewer people, and it really ties all the people that are here now together. Because I've got two guys who are working together; they're not related at all. And then we just play the name game, and then we feel, realize yeah. that they're cousins. Huh. You know, just wow. everyone around here is cousins. Yeah. yeah, everybody. Yeah, I mean, I hear what Chalk Mountain was one of the big. Hey, it was on moonshine. I mean, hey, my granddaddy, my great granddaddy, all my uncles, we we were right here trope together. I mean, that was a big thing, making moonshine. We're all cousins. And even now. even bought moonshine. My granddaddy and that uh, Cooper Mountain, when Cooper Mountain couldn't get enough of moonshine for uh, Al Capone, my daddy would tell me that my grandpa said, "Will said we we need to help Cooper Mountain out uh, get in some moonshine." Said uh, you got any? So they all would get together and bring the moonshine, meet Cooper Mountain. If Cooper Mountain didn't have enough made up, would they have enough for Al Capone when he got here? And that was a big thing. My mama said it would too. And my my mama told my soul the same story my daddy did. Wow. And they they would they bring it over here and and hide it out, and Al Capone would come in and get it. And he would come in from the cemetery side. He didn't come in from up here. He come in from the cemetery side. Back in here, would be to get him water to make moonshine today. Mm. That's where that wouldn't be. 
So far, there has been a large amount of speculation that Cooper was Capone's moonshine supplier. And it sounds like Ricky has just confirmed it. Well, he might have been going. I don't know where he went to Miami or we're taking it back north with him. One or the other. I've always thought they said it only way back home when stop here and rode up moonshine and curve back up. Uh, what was it? Up north there. Uh, but now what my daddy and mom always said, you know, he, he would get a big load when he come, you know. Yeah. And remember, I, it was probably not Capone himself yeah. doing, the, yeah. doing the pickup. Yeah. Yeah. It was three or four cars. Three or four cars. They tell me it'd be a whole bunch of them. Yeah. Wow. Big, nice Cadillac A model, like, you know, whatever they had back in them days. Yeah. But it wouldn't be at one. It'd be a bunch of cars. Yeah. It'd be about the president. It'd be about the president. You know, yeah. and they got paper following him and washing over. That'd be about the way Al Capone was. I mean, he won out with them with them cars, but he had other people there was oh, wow. going to shoot somebody that they give trouble. Yeah. And with nobody in FD going to trouble, but even Cooper Mountain was afraid that would happen here. And the people in Charlotte Mountain were cured when they'd known Cooper Mountain were dealing with Al Capone. So they thought it was going to be a big shootout, maybe. And it didn't come out to be that way. Everybody was serious business. And it worked out real great. And thought I know nobody never got hurt, you know, over nothing like that. Yeah. Al Capone, uh, Cooper Mountain was a brave man. And he didn't mind the gamma on his rice, you know. And, yeah. uh, that, that's why how he got done so well for himself on a thousand acres right here at one time. And Bill on about really on about four hundred of it now, don't you? Know, some better. Yeah, about that. But uh, you know, it's funny that Capone, uh, that uh, sorry, that uh, Cooper, after all his runnings with all these dangerous people his whole life, he gets killed by his own no. family over something so stupid. Yeah, you're uh, sure did. Yeah, that, that 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 sure did happen right there. Yeah, and his and his son was a lot of sheriff in Woodbury, Adam Mountain was a sheriff in County County. Yeah, yeah. And he was one that had to go and see see it all. Yeah, yeah. And Adam Mill right up there with Biddy on that big old bone, they find out where the Adam Mountain lived at, at that time. Yeah, that's bad news. Yeah. Hey, I'll see y'all. See you. Take care, Bill. Thank you. Thank you. Remember Billy talking about the good stories? The one about Ricky blowing himself up? Oh, yeah, back in 1991, uh, about four person, I blew myself up by making moonshine. And at Oak Dealer down there, about down below the, the moonshine shack, that my old deal that blew me up back then. I had it in my home bone. And I was trying to make it up and get through the holidays and... Yeah. Running a little bit too green, and uh, it broke up on me. And stayed in the bunch in the night 17 days. I mean, it really bumped me up big time, you know. I mean, it's yeah. lucky to be alive, really yeah. bad. I got bumped. So, uh, yeah, I, uh, in 90, 91, and then 92, I was off and work the whole year. So it was a whole year before I could go back to work, you know. I went back two days before my year was up where I wouldn't lose my benefit. I work at Bunny Bed. Yeah. Until do. Yeah. Till well, seventy two years old. I just took off to get my knee done. And then I'm going back. Yeah. Truck driver. Ricky turned his normal job situations into great opportunities for distributing moonshine, even though it brought him toe to toe with the law. Back in the days when I was 
19, I bought my own milk truck called Milk Can, you know, 10 gallon milk can. Made more money bootwading out of the milk truck than I did hauling milk. I had a contract, $800 a month. I found my truck, my fuel, gas. And then, uh, was that, that pretty good milk. I can't complain, it's good money. And then I bootlegged off of my milk truck called Moonshine and yeah. Sunniford and Morrison, Tennessee. And and so that was out for Manchester. And around here, I was trusted up, you know, take care of everybody here, but I put it in my milk truck and hauled it out to the guys. And, and uh, had one guy on a store there in uh, Sunniford big grocery store and he had a pattern truck he'd go out and do things and I'd throw him a, a bunch of moonshine you know I'd pull right up outside the store no pattern truck sitting there on the shed and I'd open my door on my milk truck and got the milk they got the moonshine out and put it on the back of the old pattern wagon go in get my cold drink and he'd pay me and when I got gone he went and put the moonshine up where nobody wouldn't see it you know me and him have a good, we had a good thing going yeah make some good money for me and him both and uh, that was uh, I was 19 years old then. So, and the revenue they on in the time they uh, they got a pick with my bar cooper. You know, his revenue for like eight years in Woodbury, and he knowed all the he knowed my trick pretty well. So he finally did figure out what I was doing and pulled me over. But I had got rid of three gallon about a three miles up the road that another guy I picked milk up for, and they had an airplane that old bitty airplane you know no helicopter back then but and they what they followed me i could hear it you know blow me so we got to get a big old wide spot in the road with a bridge and a tree club a lot of people pull out there so they had the revenue car had me robot down there and they checked everything you know that i had but they uh had put back them days gravel road and dust was on top of the milk can we had about an inch deep and it's about July, hot it could be. And uh, well, they got in there and knocked my lids off. And I told them, I said, hey, you get dirty in my milk can, you ain't gonna pay for it. That milk, somebody's gonna pay for that. And uh, old Mark Bob told another revenue there, he said, oh, Ricky, too cocky today. He said, he ain't got no moonshine. I said, we'll get my way, let him go. He said, you know, I was pretty well shooting it back at him, you know. Yeah. I wasn't, I wasn't taking nothing. Right. And he said, oh, Ricky, too cocky today. He said, he had moonshine in here, he wouldn't be so cocky, you know. So they let me go, you know, and after that, I quit hauling it. When I left, I didn't haul no more in my milk truck. So I know they know already caught on to what I was doing, so time to quit doing that, you know. You can really hear the passion in Ricky's voice. When he gets into the science of moonshining, he is a true master of the craft. Yeah, well, they, that mean they wanted me to come here to help, and Marner Lawson was one of the guys that he was a moonshiner. He'd been, he stayed here, and Jimmy Simpson was another, and we had three when we started here. And we all had the same recipe. A lot of people say, well, he said, Ricky's recipe might be different from somebody else, but that ain't right. My recipe is the same thing my granddaddy had. It don't change. What make, where you make bad moonshine at is don't know how to do it. Moonshine is one thing, like I said, keep that old mag dip off the top, that dead, and keep new one in. And you can have the best, you can have the best beer that anybody, and you can run it and mess it up and take and be the straw anybody. Ricky goes on to explain some of the processing of the beer in the distilling process, 
you can tell he has the magic touch just from listening to him talk about it. So you got, see that another thing you got to know about moonshine. He bit, I could sit here and tell you all about it, and I could run you how to do it, but it's still confusing. You got to almost sit there and see it done, like I have, to really to be a good moonshiner. And I mean, I ain't bargaining on myself or nothing like that, but my daddy always, he would always been known to have a good moonshine. And we always run on your copper outfit and a, with a stainless steel pot that is good. But we usually use a hundred percent coffee to run out uh, to on, on moonshine. My daddy even told the boys one day, he said, "I catch you boys running on a uh, with a fifty-five gallon drum on the pot that I take shopping at and shop it down myself." He said, "We're going to make moonshine. We're going to make it light." Yeah. He told me that when we were kids up, so you know we know what we're supposed to do. He goes on to discuss a thumper, and I'll be honest with you. Even though Ricky attested to not knowing how to read or write very well, when I was listening to him lecture about the science of distilling, it was like listening to a brain surgeon trying to lecture a five-year-old. Ricky got started at a very young age. He was making deals and earning wheels at a time most kids were just sitting around watching cartoons. Well, my brother said I was going to the field when I was eight years old, but I sure I wasn't running because my daddy was always the type of guy, he wouldn't be the one running it. So he didn't think we were good enough to run it, you know. I mean, you know, but if we got older and he watched it run it, he would watch, you know, for the revenue come in and let us go ahead and run it, you know. But he would come back and check on it, make sure we're doing it the right way to suit him. But uh, I guess I would maybe, well, when I was 11 years old, my brother Jimmy was about 14. I had my own car when I was 11 years old. Because my daddy gave me, a, me and my brother a bar, like a bar of beer. And he said, young boys, can run, run your own moonshine. And said, your brother can carry the sugar and everything to the field. Because you all ain't big enough. You can watch for your brother. And, and they will carry your sugar to the field. So I was 11 years, I bought my own car. And sold my moonshine, pulled all the gallon. I bit man, I uh, man I had a go up our truck. I had a padding truck too, you know. And uh, he had old forty model, forty one model old Chevy. And I swapped, uh, I gave him sixty five dollars for the old car. And I swapped moonshine for it. So I got it paid for four dollars a gallon. Then I bought another off of it that his brother had for sale. Old mobile fifty fifty model. And uh, he put a Hoodie car had a truck and automatic and everything, so he gave two hundred seventy-five dollars for it. He he followed up me. He gave two hundred seventy-five dollars for it. Give me forty dollars back for my old car, and he gave me five dollars gallon for my moonshine. So I got it paid for. So I was I had my own car when I was eleven years old. Wow. Yeah, I was running moonshine, hauling moonshine on a quail, or maybe eleven. Yeah. You know, take it to the boot later. Taxi cab driver in Woodbury we had a bunch of taxi cab drivers, four or five. Yeah, that's, so, yeah, that's yeah. Like so we, they, they, see, they couldn't haul enough paper to make a ribbon, but they boot weight out of it. So uh, I hauled to them, and I hauled wherever. I didn't, I didn't care, you know. I, I mean, you know, I, I enjoyed doing it until he enjoyed doing it. Ricky's very proud of his family history and the distilling tradition that has been passed down generation to generation. 
So I'm old moonshine and a dread I am. Oh, I ain't got no I ain't shame of it. Yeah. Uh, we all shush uh, my people is shush just God and Baptist and, and uh anyhow no, uh, I'm I guess I, I'm the owner of black sheep in the family you put it. Uh I, I, I they wrote the book on it. We if we in the library in Woodbury. And uh, I don't know. Maybe oh, okay. it's been in there for a while that I've told the story. And we had it name all my brother and my sister, and my mama and my daddy, where they all didn't want to. But it's a history book. Yeah. And they finally did three to it. So it, it's in the library in Woodbury. That's how I was run away from the wall, me and my brother and my daddy, and two of my brother and my daddy. We all chasing two of it. We had an outfit running with an outfit in a car for an army town. And I was about, I had a 54 then. So I was somewhere, I didn't have a driving license. This next story explains his ownership of a vehicle at the very young age of 11. And it sounds like he was a true master at driving a vehicle. A true master at driving a vehicle very, very fast. Uh, no, I had a 56 Ford. Okay. Yeah. Uh, what I had, my brother had a 57 Mercury. It was a heavy car. So Taylor Wheeler, we think Taylor Wheeler was a high shelf in Woodbury at one time. We think he was the one chasing it. Whoever chased it, but like a, he was a raw man. He had a, a cutabaker, a Mohawk cutabaker, and them things would fire. They were fast. But I guess he didn't have the know that me and my brother Jimmy had. My 56 Ford, my daddy and my brother was in the car with me and Jimmy by himself. That was Jimmy called me a minute ago. Uh, they, I had a pad of dash, you know, some of them old Ford, uh, some, some of them car had a pad of dash board. And mine was green. And they, and we, that pot had never been used before we bought it from Orbitown, from a, a moonshine. Had that black pot on it. And they hold, they grip to the dash board so tight to pay off me where I could drive. They find a point. When I got rid of that car, you typically say they're find a point in my car and my dad where they queezed it so tight. And I mean they could have drove. My, yeah. you know, my brother yeah. was the best driver my older my brother Doris, he was the best driver at any of them. But they bet me I my cars would they let me drive it. I didn't have no license, you know. Yeah. We run from the wall quite that night. Sure did. Wow. And we got in Woodbury, we'd gone to have to run from the high sheriff in Woodbury. We went over toward the butt of school and not go through town. And about, my brother about going over my, by a couple there, and he flew, he flew in after the 57 Chevrolet and we still got away. So it was, we were old moonshine, you know. Yeah. But I mean, as far back you can go, I guess, you know. Yeah. And I've been, I say, I had fast cars. We all had fast cars. Four uh, Dodgers, we did have, back then I had a Ford, but uh, we wanted them Dodgers most of the time, Hemis and a uh, 440. And if it wasn't hard enough to catch them things, yeah. they were going so fast it was unreal. Uh, back in them days, they had generators, and I seen them. They were going so fast the fan belt, hard rubber, wouldn't take on. And I seen my, I seen my brother pull a fan belt off one and cut the motor off. It wouldn't even go dead. If it was so hot, it run back, or the motor was run back, or, you know. So you ain't gonna stop. You got a load of moonshine. You don't go on. You know? So, and most times you never, you uh, been a Ford or something like that, would bust a head gas and bust a head. And they did bust a head on one of them old things. Them old Hemi tuck motors. That's amazing. Yeah. And they would go. My brother had one, he had two carburetor, three carburetor on company factory. 
four point six Hemi, automatic and four. And I know it was on 180, 170, 180. We run from the wall one night, and I seen the, uh, uh, we take the boot by the man shaker there, and we come out, uh, I hit with my brother back and in, seen the, that old man had a big wood pie there, and uh, he had it holes out in it. We put it down in and put the wood slab back on it. So my brother, he seen the, he back back drinking, but he seen the cop, you know, stick your head out in the wood pie. So when we hit the highway there, red light come on everywhere. We went out through that, what they call the swamp out through there. Pitch free coming toward Woodbury. Uh, he run about 160. My daddy was in the back seat. My daddy gonna lay it up and talk to it. My brother struck that thing down. My daddy trailed out right back and feet stood straight up. He couldn't even put his feet back on the floor. That, that car had that look power to it. Yeah. Nah, I mean, it run, I guess it was 180 that night, you know. It was fast. I mean, it was the fast car I ever seen in my life. It was, it was 65 women. Fear. Wow. Yep. Come from the factory like that. Automatic. Yeah. But like I say, we, her life, uh, I tell them a story about my whole life, uh, about everybody, but it was a, it was a curious life, but we always survived. We went had, you know, we, we got by. Yeah. Didn't know nothing, never did get rich, but I guess we could have had a lot more money if we had enough sense to save it, you know. Yeah. So we pretty wild, running wild, you know, drinking, chasing women. Uh, I ain't gonna say the way y'all would, but I would have bad about it, you know. But and but most of all, I think we all was pretty bad. But yeah. you know, we should have saved the money. But I bet it's something we didn't do. Yeah. But um, we all living, still living. Yeah. So that's good. Yeah. Good. I'm the young boy in the family. So and like I say, I, I bet I enjoy doing it. I enjoy. It. And and I enjoy teaching somebody how to do it. I, I'm too old now. I can't do it no more. I, 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 don't, I don't do it. You know, everybody says, well, you may be mine. No, that ain't bad. I ain't a man. Yeah. I ain't made none in, I think, about two years. Yeah. But, I mean, you know, I've teased other people, a couple of people, not everybody. So, I, somebody, I got to have a really, really good face in them before I'm going to teach anybody how to do it. But I wanted, they're going to do it. They better do it my way. Yeah. You know, my wife said, my way or highway. Yeah. <laughs> well, but, I've been married my same with my wife for 54 uh, years, 52 years. And, uh, yep, and she was a pretty straight old gal. And uh, when she, uh, when I married her, I'd already been caught with the revenue twice, you know. So we, she, we met in a house in Woodbury and had a new furniture and everything in it. And, and, uh, and uh, anyhow, no, she worked shut back in Woodbury and I, I drove, uh, I painted houses. And, one day she come home and had a basin in it. My brother had already saved some money back, so he wasn't gonna make it in the wintertime because all of it got too hard on him. He said, what are you gonna do? I said, well, I'm gonna have to make it. I got a baby coming on, you know? So, well, I went and bought me a one-bar outfit because we were running a big four-bar. Put it in the basin. She come on one night, one evening. She said, what are you doing down there? Building down there. I said, build me a room for my steel. She said, what do you mean a steel? I said, well, I'm gonna put a steel down here and make moonshine of it winter. She said, you can't do that. She said, you're going to run my name. You're going to run that baby name, too, when he get here. I said, woman, I said, you should have thought about that before you married me. I said, I've been caught with the revenue. Why? Your name already run. You're you going to yeah. rip me. You're going to have to take my name, you know, because I've, yeah. I've been caught with the revenue, you know. So she stayed with me. She, she needed to read me. 
But she did tell somebody, they asked her how to put up with me for 52 years, and she said, it's been a hell of a ride. <laughs> so, anyhow, oh, yeah, she had to be a pretty good woman to put up with me, you know, yeah. pretty. Yeah. We got two boys. That's awesome. Two granddaughters and two great grandkids. So, here it is. The piece of information that I had been hoping for. A nickname from a character... I didn't know about a character that I revealed is my number one suspect. Remember earlier on in the conversation, Ricky talked about the bark being shot off of the tree. He was talking about his father who was getting shot at by none other than my number one suspect. Is that right? Yeah. Man, uh, I have, I do remember my daddy got caught by Logan, the uh, Logan Law, they call him Logan Law. He would be a revenue. Yeah. Uh, I mean, don't know exactly how that come out to be, but uh, my daddy always talked about old Logan, that he was a mean old way of revenue. Huh. Yeah, so old he, Logan. Yeah, old Logan, he said he was a mean old revenue. Huh. So my daddy was born in 1916. Yeah. Well, so 1915, my mama was born in 1916. So, uh, old Logan, he said, I always said about, when you said Logan, that made it on the bail when you first said that. But Logan, hey, Logan of all, my daddy said, shot bark off his face running from the steel. So that, that same thing happened to your grand, more than that happened to your granddaddy, Logan of all, was trying to catch him or something and, 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 and put him down. But now my daddy said, Logan the law. I hear that all my lifetime. Tell my uncle, I said, oh, Logan the law, man, he was a bad dude. He was, and he told us that he shot bark off in my face. So is that the same thing that happened, Logan the law with revenue, TBI? Yeah. And he was a meaning. My daddy said he was. Yeah. So that may be something you have really found out about the revenue. I think so. Yep. Sound, sound me like it's the same, same thing. But my daddy was born in 1915. He would have had plenty of time, so he had to start making your own, you know. So he would have been, and you know, all the kids, like right, some of my six and them brother was already born, you know, in the 30s, uh, 40s, yeah, in the 30s, you know. And uh, so that's true. That could be true. That could be the Logan Law we're talking about. Logan. That was revenue. Logan Malloy. Yep, Malloy. Is that right? Logan Malloy. My daddy called him Logan my role, my in the law, you know. Huh. But, but that was his name. Yeah. That was his name. I could call my seat and make sure, but I know that's true. Yeah. So he would have mean, he would have evidence now. Yeah. Yeah. So my daddy told the story. He caught my uncle, caught my daddy many times. My uncle went to jail, my daddy went to jail several times. Yeah, oh yeah, they, they went to jail hard way, hard time. Ricky repeated over and over that James Logan Malloy was a mean old revenuer. He called him Logan the Law, the nickname Ricky's dad had passed down. Logan the Law made his reputation all across Tennessee as a shoot-to-kill kind of revenuer. He got away with murdering Jesse Harris in the Tennessee River in cold blood. Who needs due process when you can be judge, jury, and executioner for the man that you're after? 
Logan the Law, decided man above the law. Who else could it be? And that's the question that I ask of you. Who else could it be?